2: Hey, welcome in. It's the Arrowhead Attic Podcast, bi week edition. Patrick Allen, Matt Verderam here, as always. And, uh, you know, it's the bi week, so not a lot of Chiefs news to get to. Probably only going to pod for about 10 minutes or so. Uh, how are you doing, Verderam?
3: Good, good. A little busier than I planned on being today. But yeah. uh, thank you to Brett Veach. Uh, there, there's a little more than 10 minutes to talk about. So we got a we got plenty going on.
2: Yeah, yeah. Friend of the show, Brett Veach, uh, right. has been on the show. Exclusive interview, Arrowhead added. Go back and check out the YouTube channel. Um, so, obviously, we're, we're going to get to it. Um, if, you're, if you're just tuning in and you haven't been on Twitter, and, and God bless you if you haven't been, uh, place I recommend to avoid. Yeah. If you haven't been on Twitter today or you don't know what's going on, the Chiefs made a trade. They traded for uh, – former now Giants wide receiver, Kadarius Toney, uh very talented guy, a lot of upside. We're going to break it down and the Chiefs may not be done in the trade market as the trade, line, trade deadline is fast approaching. Um, before we get into all that and break it down, we got to let you know that this podcast is brought to you by the Kansas City Beer Company. I had a long day, so I'm having one for the show not waiting and you know we're not gonna have a victory party this week because there's no chiefs game so you know you gotta do what you gotta do i'm drinking the uh casey beer light it's not uh, gonna lose they aren't gonna lose that's a reason to celebrate we should just have a pot anyway on sunday night you know the kansas city beer company we talk about them all the time uh they're absolutely fantastic look for them in kansas and missouri that's where they're distributed it's the red carton and dare to beer different all right let's 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 break this down so Ver, um you, 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 you've, you're you a little bit of an insider. You kind of know some things that are going on around the NFL. You know some things that are going on around the Chiefs. So let's just give you the floor. Why don't you tell us, first of all, what's happening here and what you're hearing. First of all, a little bit of inside some kind of a, a shot. Bit. You've got a little thing, a little bit, you know, for, for new <laughs> listeners. <laughs> all
3: right. So, look, Chiefs trade for Canaris, Tony. They sent over a compensatory third-round pick that they got for Ryan Poles when he went to the Bears to take the GM job, and they gave up a sixth. The reason I say that is I had a lot of people asking me about the third round pick whether it was conditional or compensatory because Jordan Schultz had tweeted out who by the way does great work he's over at the score super nice guy I think just just had a like a typo it, it, he wrote it was conditional it's not it's not conditional it's just a it's a straight up compensatory third and a sixth okay so from talking to league sources on this and people with knowledge of the deal my understanding is for the Chiefs it's an upside play right it's it's a guy who was drafted in the first round last year by the Giants, flashed as a rookie, had over 400 yards receiving, dealt with some injuries. This year has barely played, only played two games, has two receptions and zero yards. Now, this question is, that how hurt is he? Is he being held out because he fell out of favor with the Giants? The Giants have a new regime. And sometimes you'll see that when guys are... are drafted by one GM, then another GM comes in and, and things haven't panned out or maybe they're not seeing eye-to-eye, eye, teams will move on. So the Giants recoup a couple of picks. They move a, a first-round talent on. And, of course, this is a Brett Veach special, right? He's a first-round pick who didn't work out somewhere. I mean, heck, they've done this already with the Giants, with DeAndre Baker. They didn't have to trade for him, sign him outright. Well, I think with Tony, he's going to come in, he's going to add to this, this receiver room, and he's somebody who has four-three speed, uh, good body control, big, fast guy down the field. Now, questions with him, durability, off-field, how committed is he, how engaged is he? But the Chiefs look at it like, listen, the next two years, he costs $4.4 million total against the cap. They have a fifth-year option on him for 2025 if he warrants it at that point. And so for the Chiefs, this is a long play. This isn't just, hey, he's going to come in here and, and, and line up at the X tomorrow and he's going to dominate. They're not putting Juju Smith-Schuster on the bench. They're not putting MVS on the bench. Like, this is – if Tony plays, he's going to rotate in, you know, alongside of McCall Hardman, uh, alongside of Sky Moore. I mean, that's what this is going to be, right? And maybe he has some impact in the return game. Well, it wasn't a, wasn't a huge factor in the return game with the Giants. Maybe he returned some, some punts and whatnot. But I, I got to be honest. I don't think – I don't think that this is a now move as much as it is a a long game for Kansas City here but it's a guy who's young with talent and they they sent over a couple of picks for him.
2: yeah and it seems like it's a, it's a smart move right I mean he's here's a guy who is look Juju signed for one year he's playing well Chiefs I'm sure maybe if it can, continues to go well would like to bring him back but it's not guarantee. sure the receiver market as you mentioned is crazy it blew up last year it's one of the reasons why Tyree Kill isn't on the team anymore yes. and so Brett Veach is smart and he knows he he he's got to manage this cap to keep talent around Patrick Mahomes. So it accomplishes a couple of things. It puts his job is to acquire talent to give Andy Reid and that coaching staff the tools that they need to win games. So he's done that. I mean, this guy's talented. Maybe he's a little bit injury prone, but and, and the thing that excites me is that um, boy, like we just really don't. How much do we really know about this guy as an NFL player? Because you know, with, with all due respect to the Giants, Daniel Jones stinks, right? He's not a good quarterback. He's not ideal. No. No, right? He's not good. And then and and look, he's he's playing okay last you know, this year he's he's managing the game. He's athletic, he's running the ball, all that stuff. They're, they're they have a good record. You know, good for them. But like the guy's not, he's not going out there throwing for he barely throws for 200 yards. All his receivers are hurt for the most part. So let's give, cut him some slack there. But you know, Tony is a guy like they were a disaster last year. Right. Like Brian Dayball comes in, stabilizes things over there. They're you know, playing well. They were you don't know anything about this guy. They were horrible on offense, but he did have a game I wanted to ask you about. Last October, 10-10, the Dallas Cowboys, and a game the Giants lost, 44-20. He had 13 targets, 10 receptions, 189 yards in that game. Um, So this is a guy that is explosive. I mean, you see the tape. You go watch some highlights of him. He's got some like Dante Hall-esque moves. Is, Is this a guy even though maybe this is more of a longer play for the Chiefs? Do you think they work him in as... Use him in some gadget plays, street routes? Like, what? How does he fit in this year's team? Does he feel I think he will
3: try to get the ball in his hands here and there. I do not think he's going to come in here and all of a sudden it's just going to be this huge addition. Yeah, you know, my understanding talking to people around this is that it is a long play. It doesn't mean that he can't contribute anything in 2022, but that this is really more of a long game. And by the way, this does not mean that they are not going to go after Odell Beckham. I would not make that connection. Uh, I will leave it at that. I would not make the connection that the Chiefs are no no longer in on Odell Beckham. I do not think that's true. The Chiefs are very much still involved on Odell Beckham. Um, I also know, and and I I tweeted this out earlier, if people follow me on Twitter already know this, but my understanding is that they are not shutting down the phone lines here before the trade deadline. If something makes sense for them, they are still willing to make moves. They, They are aggressive by nature, have been with Brett Veach since he's been there. I do not believe and and from my again my understanding of it is they are not they are not willing to just say okay we're done now. They still have a lot of draft picks. Uh they still have double digit draft picks. So the Chiefs if something makes sense for them, they're going to do it. Now I I would think at this juncture that a move, a trade anyway would be in in a defensive nature. I would think it would have to be, but with all that said, Odell Beckham is not a trade, he's a signing. And if they can get Odell Beckham, I think they they will continue to pursue that vigorously. So uh, I think it's more about where does Odell Beckham want to go rather than would the Chiefs sign Odell Beckham? With due respect to Kadarius Tony's talent, he is not Odell Beckham. The Chiefs are not going to close the door on Odell Beckham Jr. because they got Tony. I mean, that's just nonsensical. It's insane. So I, I I would keep that in mind.
4: As a golfer, for years I've been hearing PXG say nobody makes golf clubs like they do, period. You know what? They're right. I went in for a fitting and saw it for myself. Went in to swing the PXG Black Ops driver. And let me be honest. I was skeptical. Well, again, I, I loved my old driver. I had a uh, another very popular big-name brand. I love my driver. But they brought me in just to, to put it to the test. The PXG driver, it won. It was, I don't know, 7 to 10 yards longer. The dispersion was better and the fitting experience was legitimately phenomenal. You know, I went in being a skeptic, and I came out being a true believer. It feels like a premium club in your hand. And not just that, the, the ability of, of the actual fitting process blew me away. We went from extra stiff to regular stiff shaft. We tried out different weights on the shaft. We tried different shafts in general. Um, We we were messing with the weights in the driver going from a 10.5-degree driver down to a 9. As someone who has a high launch angle, who gets a lot of loft and height on their ball, I needed something that was a little lower, so we moved the weights to the front of the club. It, It was such a wonderful experience I mean, they analyze every little bit of information to get the perfect fitting just for you. Um, Again, I was blown away by the pxg black ops driver pxg made me a believer they'll do the same for every golfer in kansas city visit pxg.com slash arrowhead to schedule your fitting at pxg kansas city Uh, that is 7517 west 119th street in overland park get fitted for any club and you'll get a dozen golf balls free that's pxg.com slash arrowhead to schedule your fitting pxg.com slash arrowhead Limit one dozen golf balls per person. Promotion ends June 30th. Other terms and conditions may apply. See store for details. Why are so many dogs suffering from health issues? Actress Katherine Heigl, who's helped save over 16,000 dogs through her foundation, says she's seeing more issues with dogs' joints, odors, and health than ever before. After doing a ton of research, she feels there's one place we can look to support any dog's health their food. So she decided to create something she could actually feel good about feeding her dogs. It's called Superfood Complete. Superfood Complete is made with over 30 of the healthiest ingredients on the planet, including several superfoods vital to your dog's health. Badlands Ranch also sponsors the Jason DeBus Heigel Foundation, which has helped rescue thousands of dogs and place them in loving homes. Dogs across America are trying this food and experiencing amazing health benefits. Now, my dog absolutely loves this. Um, I gave this to my dog, Bailey, and he just gobbled it up. It was... Uh, Hilarious to watch. He's a fairly well-trained dog, okay? Uh, Fairly well-trained. But he literally would sit by where the food was, and just wait for it. He would sit and try and act all proper. He never did this with any of his other food. Uh, so safe to say, it tastes very, very good. Go to BadlandsRanch.com forward slash Arrowhead and order right now to get up to 50% off your regular priced order with a 90-day money-back guarantee. If you want your dog to experience all these incredible things, go to B-A-D-L-A-N-D-S Ranch.com slash
0: like who's the
2: odd man out here i mean i got you you, you trade this to tony he's got to go on the roster right like he could end up on ir at some point you know but that's a possibility but like who's 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 going
3: well i mean look if if you look at their roster right i mean list out the receivers i mean you know juju's not going anywhere mvs hardman more they're not they're not going anywhere Right, and then there's Watson, and who's who am I blanking on here? I'm blanking on the other receiver, Marcus
2: Kemp. They just brought Marcus Kemp back. There, there's your answer. Yeah, I
3: would, I would think. I mean, I would think that. I will say this: Marcus Kemp is valuable on special teams.
2: Made a play so, already. Yeah,
3: you know, I, but you would. I mean, he'd have to be right. I would have to imagine, unless it's Justin Watson. But Justin Watson's got a touchdown pass last weekend. Like, I don't, I don't think, yeah. and Mahomes has trust in Watson, so right. I don't, I don't think that would be the case. I also do not think there's any world that they're carrying seven receivers. That would be nuts. So. I would, I would think Marcus Kemp would be that guy. They, you know, they just waved uh, Fountain off the practice squad, so I would, I would think uh, that's the direction they're going. Listen, I think overall. It's an understandable trade. I've seen people say, why would they give up a, a third? Well, because he's got three years three and a half years of control left. I mean, that's why. You know, you're giving it up for that con- that's a valuable contract. Because look, he he might let's also like I try to always be real with this stuff. Let's just keep it real. The Giants traded Kadarius Tony for a reason. Okay. The Giants are not morons. They didn't just wake up this morning and go, you know what? We think he's going to be great. Let's ship him off. The Giants are selling on him because he's not been on the field and he has not jived with this current regime. They do not believe in his future in New York. If they did, they would not have traded him. The Chiefs are acquiring him because the Chiefs are basically making the bet of, look, he has a cheap contract. We have years of control. We are also in a spot where multiple guys are on the last year of their deals at receiver for us. Nicole Hardman, Juju, Justin Watson. And if we can't make it work with this room, then he probably can't make it work in the league. He is going into a place where, listen, if Daniel Jones says something to him, he doesn't have to listen to Daniel Jones. If Patrick Mahomes says something to him, like you're going to listen. You're going to leave. That's it. I mean, Mahomes has more gravitas, or just about more gravitas than anybody in the NFL. So if you're if you're not going to listen to him or to a Travis Kelsey in that room, you, you're going to pack up your stuff. I mean, it's simple as that. So the Chiefs are betting on their culture. They're betting on their head coach. They're betting on their quarterback, and they're also betting on a cheap contract with a guy with a lot of upside. Who they believe they can turn around. Now, what does it have to what has to happen for this to be worth it for them? I would say that he has to turn into a receiver who can have, you know, seven hundred yards a year, something like that. If he gives you more than that, then forget it, it's worth it a million times over. Right. If he gives you seven, seven fifty a year going and not including this year, because he's not giving you seven fifty in ten games. He does that, they should have given up a higher pick. But you know, that would probably be worth it for them. And they're 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 making a bet. We'll see how it shakes out.
2: Do you think this is a sign that McCole Hardman's not coming back?
3: Maybe I don't. I've seen a lot of people saying, "Are they going to trade McCole Hardman?" Guys, I, I do not think they're going to trade Hardman. I, I can't sit here and tell you that for fact because the NFL is a weird place, and if a team makes an offer, they just deem it, they, you know irrefutable. Sure, I, I just I cannot see them doing that. McCole Hardman just had three touchdowns in San Francisco. Right, is there whatever you want about the guy, like he's he's a valuable piece. Like he's not McCole Hardman gets, I believe, somewhat of a of a misunderstanding when it comes to Chiefs fans, because he came in after Tyreek Hill, and people looked at him and were like, well, he should be Tyreek Hill. He's not Tyreek Hill. He is never going to be Tyreek Hill, which I think we all understand and acknowledge at this point. But what Hardman is, is a mismatch at times for teams. And when the Chiefs utilize him properly, he can get big gains. I don't think when you're trying to win a Super Bowl, like when is the last time a team that was in the midst of a Super Bowl and starts selling off guys at the deadline? You're not going to do that. I gotta be honest. The Chiefs, if the Chiefs trade Hardman and get any less than like a second round pick, which they're not going to get for him because he's not worth the second round pick, I mean, I would I would lose my mind with the Chiefs over that. Right. Like, what, right. what are you going to get for? Like, I guess for all the people who are like ready to ship him out, what do you think you're getting for him? Yeah, he signed for ten more games. Like, what, what do you think like, the team's going to call up and give him a first? Like, I mean, nobody's doing that. The Chiefs would be getting a day three pick for him. You're not you're not trading McCall McCall Hardman's worth more than that to you. And I don't even know, like, look, are, is he definitely gone after this year? I would say more yes than no. But at the same point, like, is there a world where he's back? I mean, Demarcus Robinson kept coming back year after year after year. And I got to tell you, McCall Harbin's better than Demarcus Robinson ever was.
2: That's so, right.
3: you know, you don't know how things are going to shake. Like, I think the Chiefs would want to sign Juju. But let's say Juju continues his pace and he has 1,200 yards this year. I mean, what is he going to cost? 25 years old. That's not going to be cheap, right? You know, so like, there's a lot of scenarios here. If I'm the Chiefs, there's no way I'm moving Hardman unless some team makes me a ridiculous offer.
2: Yeah, Uh I agree. It's it's. I think what is 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 exciting and smart about this on the part of Brett Veach is he now has tons of options. Right? You lose a Tyreek Hill. What are we going to do? He goes out. He gets a boatload of guys. He drafts Sky Moore. Now he's got Kadarius Tony. Like, and if he brings in, if he brings in Odell Beckham Jr. I mean, you're deep, you have options, you're, I don't want to say totally injury-proof, but you're in pretty pretty damn good shape should something sure. happen to somebody. And you don't, like, you need to have weapons around a guy like Patrick Mahomes. That's what it's all about. So um, you, you get another speedster that can stretch the field. I see a lot of people in the chat. And by the way, if you're, if you're watching on YouTube, if you could do us a favor and like this post, hit that thumbs up. Let's get some more Chiefs fans in here to talk about this. And of course, let us know what you think about this. Is he going to return punts? Sky Moore, not the best punt returner uh, in his early career. This guy is blazing fast. Can he return punts for the Chiefs? Is that a way that they can maybe get him involved and start using him?
3: I mean, again, I think I think they'll they'll look at that. But I also don't think like Kadarius Tony. You know, everybody's looking at him because of his speed. But with the Giants, he's not. He was never a guy who was was a big return man. I mean, if you go and look at his numbers, I'm going to pull him up really quick here. So, look, Tony's a guy that in the return game, he attempted one punt return his entire time with the Giants. Like, it's not like we're – it's not like you should bring in Devin Hester here. I mean, I, I get it. But, again, like, I think sometimes you got to just wait and see how this shakes out. They're not going to bring Kadarius Tony in here and just shove everybody into a corner and go, okay, guys, listen, this guy who who's played a season and a half in the NFL and proven nothing, right. he's taking all your jobs now. Like, he's Kadarius Tony. I mean, I'm not trying to like crap on it, but let's also be honest about this. If the Chargers acquired Kadarius Tony, would you care? No, I mean, no, you wouldn't care.
2: Yeah. So let's not make him into Jerry. He hasn't hasn't really done anything yet. He's He's had had one. They are
3: they are betting on his talent long term, but they're not. They they did not just go acquire somebody like an Odell Beckham. Who if they sign Odell Beckham, he is coming in right away and playing, and he's meaningful. And he changes the way defenses defend you. Carries Tony's none of that. Look, I don't mind the trade. I honestly don't. I think it's actually a pretty fair trade. But I think in the end, like this trade is going to be judged off the next couple of years. I mean, this is th- what whether or not this is successful or not is going to be judged off the next few seasons. The idea that he's going to come in and off the bye week just start, you know, lining up and killing Tennessee on Sunday night—I just—I would be floored if that happens. This is a long game. I think he's going to play in drips and drabs this year, and if he plays more than that, great. But I can tell you from talking to people around this, the thought is this is a long play for the Chiefs. This is not a hey, quick fix. And by the way, they don't need that. They lead the league in points per game. they, They don't. It's like they're dying for for receiver help here. Like the Chiefs. They don't need Kadarius Tony to come in here and be great. Now, again, a guy like Beckham, I think, is just an opportunity too good to pass up. Like, right. if you can bring in him, if you can bring him in, he he changes the way defenses can can play you. Kadarius Tony is much more of an upside play for the Chiefs.
2: Yeah, I think so. And uh, when you think about those picks, I think it's important to remember that's that's a competent story pick. It's essentially a for yeah. an early fourth rounder, correct? Right? The Chiefs are winning. It's essentially a seventh rounder they're, you know, so it's not like crazy crazy compensation that the Chiefs gave up here and no. as you pointed out they have a ton of picks um and if he is a contributor next year on that on that good contract it ends up being a steal for the Chiefs and if it doesn't work out it, it doesn't – they're not like, oh, man, we we you know, we, we traded a second-round pick for Kadarius Tony. They didn't. So, right. I, so overall, you, you like the trade? Is it a good trade or a bad trade?
3: I think it's a fair trade. I think it's a fair trade. I, I like the upside of it. I don't hate it for the Chiefs You have a ton of picks. And realistically speaking, look, he's so young and still has such a cheap deal in front of him. It's almost like if they just drafted him with their third-round pick and sent over like a sixth. I mean, nobody would be complaining with taking a guy with that kind of upside in the third round. So – no, I don't mind it. I think I think it's a fair trade. I think if you're the Giants, you just wanted to get some value for him. Um, you did not see a future there. If you're the Chiefs, you feel like, you know what, we've got a bunch of extra ammunition and it's a guy that they've been like they've been like to him since the offseason. So I, I get it. I I I think it's a you know, if I degrade grade it, you know, a B, it's fine.
2: Solid move. Now, obviously you mentioned uh, and, and let us know in the chat. Uh, fire off real quick. Good trade, bad trade. Just say good or bad. Let's see some uh, let's get your opinions in here i'll go on the record i think it's a, a really good trade i really like the move here low risk high reward talented player you add another speedster to this andy reed screens, sweeps you know they may be able to get him involved so i'm excited about it because the chiefs are playing so well right now and now they just have yet another weapon uh raymond says good clint good zach best says good griffin good people like it gwen says good Mike Tolson, good. Jalen Butler, shout out to our members. Good trade, Karis. Good. Uh, I'm not seeing a lot. I'm not seeing any. Everyone's saying good. Good trades from everyone. Dan Jennings says good trade.
3: I, mean, I, I don't. I don't think you can really like hate it. I mean, I, I you know, what I mean? I, it's not like it's not like they got some guy who's 32 years old and a malcontent, and they gave up a day two pick. Like Karis Tony's, what is he? 22 years old. Yeah. yeah. I'm not, I mean, I, like look. You're, you're throwing a really like the absolute back end you know late day 2 pick at the guy like, i don't i don't mind it plus it had two of them like i don't i don't care like look it's a fine dart to throw if it doesn't work out okay it's not the end of the world if it if, and if look it's one of those things that if it doesn't work out okay and if it does work out like then that's a great trade right so i don't i don't think there's a like a, a real disaster scenario here like it's not it's a trade that i think is worth exploring and if it doesn't work out, okay, then you know what? You take the L, you move on. But it's not, it's not something where you're giving up such a premium pick that you're just like, oh my God, I mean, what are we gonna do if this doesn't work out? You know, you didn't give up your first for this. So I can't, I can't
1: kill it. And I think for the Giants, it got good value for them.
2: it could be a trade that, like, if it works out and some of the other moves that the Chiefs have made, if they work out, you have a potential here, as Sammy points out in the chat. So imagine if Justin Ross comes in and produces next year. What, what, All the potential that we know that that player has. Just imagine a world where Kadarius Tony reaches his potential as a first-round pick. Justin right. Ross reaches his potential. And Sky Moore is who we hope and think Sky Moore is. Now, is this pie in the sky my dream? And yeah, but, like, when you bring in young, talented players and players with upside like this, you set yourself up for hey, maybe two out of three work out.
3: I see, but I would even say like even if one out of the three work out, fine. I
2: mean, right. like it's like baseball when
3: you have these you know, these lists that come out for prospects. Like these are the top twenty prospects in such and such organization, and fans are always like, "I'll tell you what, when these twenty guys come up, we're never going to lose a game." It's like yeah, half those guys aren't even going to make it up, right. and out of the ten that make it up, if three of them end up being really good players, that's great. That's great. Like, it may be a couple of the other guys end up being, like, you know, role players in a team, you know, a middle reliever and a utility guy. That's fine. You know, I think sometimes people get so worked up over everybody that doesn't work out. If you have a normal draft class in the NFL, especially drafting where the Chiefs draft in these rounds, and you hit on two of the seven picks, and by hit on, I mean, like, they become valuable, like, quality NFL players. And then maybe one or two other guys are special teams players or role that's a good draft. That's fine. Right. <clears throat> like, you very rarely are going to have the draft that the Chiefs had last year where they just draft Creed Humphrey, Trey Smith, and, and and Nick Bolton and don't even have a first-round pick. Like, that's almost impossible, or what might be shaping up to be this year, where they, they get these corners. I mean, if Trent McDuffie ends up being what everybody thinks he's going to be, with due respect to George Karloftis, even if George Karloftis ends up being a, a, nobody, which I don't think is going to be the case, but even if that were to happen, if they got Trent McDuffie, Joshua Williams, and Jalen Watson out of this, that's great. That's a yeah. great draft. Like I, the rest of it's almost irrelevant. Like yeah. you're relative. you and, and then you always get the people who're like, yeah, but they missed on this one pick. Yeah, well, no kidding. I mean, that's that's the way the world works. But out of Tony and Moore and Justin Ross, if one of those guys becomes a big time player, that's great. Yeah. You, you, what did you invest? A second rounder, a third, and a sixth. And an undrafted free agent. I mean, if you if you really hit on one of those guys, that's awesome. That's yeah. that's great asset yeah. allocation.
2: Yeah, when one of those when one of those outside the box or you know value picks work out, and we saw it with Justin Houston, right? Getting Justin Houston in the third round. Right. Sometimes when those pay off, man, it makes a big difference. You get a contributor like that. So Travis you're Kelsey. right. The Chiefs get one really good player out of this. It's fantastic news. So speaking of good players and and the trade market, you said you didn't think the Chiefs were done. Obviously, I think a lot of Chiefs fans, I think if there's any negativity about the Tony trade, it's you got a bunch of Chiefs fans sitting there going, can he rush the passer? (laughs) We need pass rush help, right? We could have. And then they see yesterday that Robert Quinn, who has been talked about as potential for the Chiefs on this podcast and elsewhere, goes for a fourth to the Eagles, who who could be a potential Super Bowl opponent, should the Chiefs be lucky enough to make it that far. I want to get your opinion first on that trade, because we didn't get to talk on this podcast about it. And and also, uh, do the Chiefs look for a pass rusher? And now, who?
3: Well, I think they have to. I, I think they they have to. Uh, number one, number two. Like I mean, we've gone through all the names. You know, like the, we've gone through. You know, the Montez sweats of the world and Deron Payne and John and John. Um, excuse me, and Yannick Ngakwe, uh and and Josh Allen. I mean, we, we you know, and of course Brian Burns, who I do not think they will go after because I think he costs too much. Uh, but we've gone after, we've gone over all these guys. We've gone over all these guys. Yeah, you know, and, and look, Quinn, I think it's a good deal for Philadelphia. Plus, I got the Bears to eat a lot of the cap money. Uh, yeah. I said that I thought he'd go for a fourth or a fifth. And I, I can't remember if it was on this podcast or a radio spot or whatever. But I said, I thought a fourth or a fifth and a fourth if the Bears would, would eat some of the contract. Well, that's exactly what ended up happening. So I'm not surprised at the value. I think it was dead on. Look, he's he's the Bears version of Carlos Dunlap. I think, you know, in the sense that he's a better player, but this year, you know, he has one sack. Um, now that's it. I think he would have been great for Kansas City because I think he could have been this year's version of Melvin Ingram. You know, a guy you bring in, he's going to give you, you know, what a rotational amount of snaps. He's going to be good for you. I I think that it's one of those things where if you are Kansas City, you are kicking every tire with this because you need a pass rusher. You know, Bradley Chubb's out there, but the Broncos are not trading him to the Chiefs. That's not happening. So, you know, you keep looking. You keep looking around. Uh, you know, I, I can't imagine that the Cardinals are looking to sell, even though they're 3-4. and four. I mean, J.J. Watt, last year of his contract, you know, I don't know. I, I can't imagine they're looking to sell. Then there's Indominus, a free agent. Would you bring him in? He's out there. He's available. At this point, you're trying to catch lightning in a bottle with an edge rusher. I mean, that's what you're doing. And I think if you're the Chiefs, that's worth pursuing right now, not at a real high pick price, but it's worth pursuing nonetheless.
2: You know, you're an NFL, something of an an NFL historian. And I was just thinking about this the other day when I saw that Bradley Chubb was was potentially available and knowing that very unlikely the Broncos would want to trade him to a division rival. Right. Um, Although it has happened in the past, we have seen division rivals do big trades before, but has any team ever done like a sort of backdoor trade, where like for example, the Chiefs want Bradley Chubb, but they know the the, the Broncos will tell them to go fuck themselves if they call about it. Yeah. But they call up somebody else who has somebody that the Chiefs have somebody that they want, and they they say, "Hey, trade for Bradley Chubb, get him, and then trade him to us, and we'll give you this." Has that ever happened?
3: Not to my knowledge. Um, I there might even be a rule against that. There might even yeah. be a rule. Like I know in the NBA if you acquire a player, you have to have them for like six months. So they're, I'd, I'd have to look at the, the CBA. I'm not even, right. I'm not 100% sure. I, I think that would be a difficult trick. To, it'd be hilarious.
2: It would be so it, funny.
3: <laughs> it'd be a difficult, it'd be a difficult thing to pull off. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, they're not, the only way they'd be able to get Bradley Chubb is if they just overpaid astronomically and you don't want to overpay astronomically yeah. to anybody, let alone your own division. Yeah. So, um, and by the way, I see John's asking this question. I'm going to answer this because um, it gets asked a lot. Do you think the fact the NFL draft is in Kansas City next year can impact the willingness to trade our first? I know that they jokingly talked about that in a press conference. I do not think that would impact what they do. They're trying to win the Super Bowl. You know what would be even better than going up and making a first-round pick next year? Walking out with the Lombardi trophy. Right. You know, I Never. mean, I, I can't imagine that the Chiefs feel like they could get a guy – who are like, man, this guy is going to win us a Super Bowl. And Clark Hunt's like, listen, listen, that sounds great, but we got to announce our pick next year. So yeah. we're good on that. Like, that's not going to happen. Like, if, if Brett Veach thinks that they have their guy that's going to push them over the top, like, they're not going to care about that. I promise you. They're not, that, that is so far off the radar for them. They, they want to win the Super Bowl. Um, I, I think everything's on the table. One, one thing I will say with, with Brett Veach, he is always looking to upgrade the team. Like he is one of the more aggressive guys in the league. If there is an opportunity for them to do it that they feel makes sense, they will do it. Now, maybe that doesn't come to pass. Maybe there's just not the trade that they feel is right for them at this juncture. Um, fine. But they're not just going to sit on their hands. And like I said, talking to people you know, around the situation – my understanding post Tony trade is they are absolutely still open for business. Doesn't mean, doesn't guarantee a trade. I mean, trade's got to be right, but they're open for business. They are absolutely willing to continue to upgrade the roster.
2: And they've, you know, it's kind of interesting because they've, they've gone up against Buffalo so many times now. And they had this game this year against them early in the season before the trade deadline. Right. So it gives a little bit of information to the chiefs, right? Like, do you think that they consider that or that, you know, if they're making a trade, it's, it's, it's really to get by Buffalo, right? Yes. Yeah. It, you that's have true. to have Buffalo in mind with all due respect to the Ravens and the Bengals who we need to talk about a little bit, cause they've that's got a so major problem here. Yeah. Um, you know, that's who you're trying to get by and Correct. you've Correct. got it. You've got to get sacks and pressure on Josh Allen or the guy's going to, and it's with, he's so mobile. So it makes sense. And I, I, I'm with you. If Brett Veach, I I believe Brett Veach has full authority to do whatever he needs to do, you know, with, with those picks. Clark Hunt is a, is, is pretty savvy guy. (laughs) Like, you know, and and besides besides, there's ways to get back in the first round, if you need to get back in the first round. So um, if that's really important to the chiefs, that important because it's in Kansas city, they can find a way to do it. I think the chiefs absolutely should consider making a move. But the one thing I'll say about Brett Veach is he, he usually makes pretty smart moves. He, he doesn't, you know, he makes moves like this, Kadarius tony trade. So, um, you know, I, I don't know what's going to happen, but it's going to be a fascinating... How, how much longer do we have to go to the deadline here? November 1st. November 1st, so just a couple of days. Um, so buckle up, Chiefs kingdom. Um, <clears throat> all right, so we know the Chiefs are hoping to get better. And then they got 10 more games to play. Now, I think as far as the first half of the... Year, I think we're pretty it's pretty much gone how you and I expected it to go with the exception of a horrendous loss to the Indianapolis Colts, which, you know, I think if Harrison Bucker doesn't get hurt in the first game of the season, we're sitting here talking about that game as one of those games where the Chiefs played like shit and won anyway. Right. Right. And they're sitting here and they've got one loss and they're down with the tiebreaker to Buffalo. And we're feeling great and we're feeling good about their chances to get the number one seed um, because we're looking at the second half of their schedule. And it's not quite as demanding. Unfortunately, it did happen. So as we start to look ahead to the second half of the year, I mean, what do you think the Chiefs' record is going to be? And I guess before we kind of break that down, let's talk about the Bengals really quickly because the word is Jamar Chase, much to the total destruction of my fantasy team, yep. has a what is it, hip injury hip and injury, might, might go on the IR and could miss four to six weeks. Is that what I'm reading here? Correct. Per Adam Schefter, yes. All right, now we know that the Bengals are deep at wide receiver. T. Higgins is excellent. Tyler Boyd's not a a slouch. But how does this impact what the Bengals are going to try to do? I mean, it impacts them a lot
3: because with due respect to T. Higgins and and Tyler Boyd, they're not Jamar Chase, okay? Um, Jamar Chase tilts the field in a way that very few players do. And so you're dealing with a hip injury that I I did read – does not need – does not require surgery, which is good. Um, but he is going to be out for four to six weeks. Now, you know, I know people are already trying to do the math, sitting there right now. The Chiefs play the Bengals in six weeks. So, <laughs> you know, we're, it's going to be right on the edge. Um, but, if you look, if you're the Bengals, I wrote down exactly how this all shakes in terms of their schedule. Their schedule is not – bad over the next few weeks they should be able to survive it i mean in the, in that stretch so the Bengals in that stretch of time here here's their schedule if it goes to full six at cleveland on a monday night home to the panthers a bye week at the steelers at the titans against the chiefs i mean they they could they could win every single game <laughs> i mean hey, until they get to kansas city uh i do think they need him to be kansas city but if you are uh like if you're if you're sitting there and you're the Bengals you're like okay we can survive this but it uh it's a big blow there's no doubt he's a, he's a great player um and you know you're looking at you know 4 to 6 weeks look a hip injury is significant like, that's a real that's a real deal. like that that's a that's a real situation I mean you're waiting for uh, according to Paul uh, Denner Jr., who writes for the Athletic who covers the Bengals, um, I mean, this is about waiting for a bone to heal. Like that's you know a hip, a hip bone. There's a lot of there's a lot of, of weight bearing and 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 everything else goes into your hips. Like that's that, that that's a scary injury. So for the Bengals, they need him back. I think they will survive this this time period because they have a pretty soft schedule, and I think they will win even without him. But let's be real; it changes their entire offense. It does. I mean, would, Higgins is a deep threat. Sure, he's not Chase. I mean, it changes everything about the way you're going to defend them. So Burrow's going to have to be on point. He's been excellent since that Week One disaster against Pittsburgh. He's going to have to continue to be. Um, and if, if Chase comes back against Kansas City, if he's back in time for that game, is he 100? Uh, if he it, now. I will say this: the guy almost just put up 200 yards against Atlanta, and apparently was dealing with his hip, hip injury. So, he, right. just a beast. Yeah. But yes, uh, it's it's a significant injury, and it's one that could alter the playoff
2: race. There's no doubt about that. And the way that teams are going to attack Joe Burrow now, I mean, they've already they've had protection issues. They right. thought they hit their offensive line; it hasn't come to fruition. I mean, it, again, with all due respect to T. Higgins, who's who's benefiting right from being on the field opposite Jamar Chase. Yep. Now he's going to see more, and teams are going to be way less scared. They're going to be, as good as Joe Burrow is, they're going to be way less scared of blitzing. Um, they're going to be able to, to, to do some different things. And I would say, and you're right, it is a soft schedule. But I will say that, that they might be in trouble on Monday night because they don't have Jamar Chase. They're going up against a desperate Cleveland Browns team on the road, and the Cleveland Browns swept the Bengals last year. Sometimes there's those matchups where a team just gives you problems. It's like the Chargers, even before Herbert, remember, like Chargers just always gave the Chiefs problems. Um, right. you know, uh so it could be interesting. It'd be interesting to see how that game goes. If uh, you know, the Browns have a marquee pass rusher, they can run the football. There's an adjustment period and not having that guy in the field. So um, but I think the other games will be all right. And you're right, though, the second half of that, they better win now. Because then they play Kansas City. Then they have another game against Cleveland. Then yes. they go to Tampa Bay, who I think will be playing better football by then, as bad as they've been, at New England, which it's Belichick, so you just never know. And then the Bills and the Ravens are how they finish their season. Yep. No, it's so, a I hard mean,
3: schedule. The, the, the last – from <laughs> Kansas City on, it is a rough ride. I mean, yeah. it, and that Browns game will have Deshaun Watson.
2: <clears throat> That's so, right, yep.
3: You know, I mean, it's – no, it's a good point, Patrick. It's well said. I mean, that that is going to be – um geez Tom, you putting that you put that in there for a second. I read that as Kelsey's out four six, six I was like, what? Um don't even don't even put that out in the world. My God. I, I read that for something like well, why I feel like I should know about that. Um no. So look, no, the Bengals have to win those games because mm-hmm. you as you point out, yeah. I mean, their schedule is really tough. It, it's much harder than Baltimore, it's because Baltimore doesn't play a first place schedule like the Bengals do. They play a last place schedule. Yeah. So they benefit. Very, very interesting to see how this is all going to shake out. But yes, for the Bengals, you got to find the way, even if it's ugly for the next handful of weeks. You don't care. You just got to win the games, right? You just have to find the way to win the games. Um, and if they can do that, sure, great. I, I wonder. You know, I've seen a lot of people say he's going to come back for that Chiefs game, and maybe he does. Maybe he's just healthy and he's ready to go. And honestly, good. I mean, I hope I hope he returns and he's healthy. He's a great player. Uh, you do wonder. Though, if you're the Bengals, like that's not the kind of injury you're bringing anybody back early from. Like, you you just you can't risk that. Like, you you cannot. It's just hip. Like that is something that you don't want that to become a recurring thing. Right. You know this this isn't all oh, he broke his his pinky and it's in a cast and you know we're gonna put a splint on. I mean this is like that's that's a hip injury is scary. So yeah. if you're the Bengals, he's got to be hundred percent. Um, Especially, by the way, if they win a whole bunch of these games before they play Kansas City, you know, then it's like, what's more important? But that all said, listen, right now it's four to six weeks. Let's see how it plays out. My guess is he would go on injured reserve. It seems that that's kind of the uh, expectation, which would put him out the minimum of four weeks, and then go from there. But I I find it uh, very interesting to see how the Bengals are going to cope now without easily their best playmaker on offense.
2: Yeah. And uh, for all you listening out there, you know, if you like this podcast, you want to get involved in the Chiefs community that we're building here, the Arrowhead Attic Podcast has a membership program. So check for the uh, the description. There's a link in the description that explains everything. There's a video. It breaks it all down for you. We've got a great private Discord uh, where we all hang out and we watch football together and talk Chiefs and talk a bunch of other things too. Movies or getting music recommendations in there earlier today. So check it out if you want to support the podcast and become a member of the of the Arrowhead Addict family that we're building here. And appreciate it. and a shout out to all of our members for your incredible support. Um, over 180 Arrowhead Addict members now.
3: And let me actually say, to speak to the uh- uh, the idea of community. So yesterday I got a package in the mail and I opened it up and it's from uh, one of the members of our, of our podcast, Chris Albright, who out of the kindness of his heart sent for me and my daughter, Maisie, this big package of cinnamon toast crunch in a, in a bag like it's in Fuego cinnamon toast crunch. Uh, it Ooh. is incredible. Uh, my daughter, and I basically had half of it yesterday. We'll finish the other half off uh, of Thursday night football and then a box of Count Chocula cereal bars that oh, I didn't even know existed. Yeah. So a box of 20 of them. Yeah, there's like five left. Yeah. Uh, but It tastes just like it. So, Chris, you're the man. You're the man. Uh, my daughter was over the moon excited about it. Uh, i very thankful for it. Uh, super kind of you. Certainly don't have to do that, but it was incredibly generous. Um, yeah, it was uh, it's a wonderful thing. But yes, you know, it, it's really a, it's, it's a it's a great community. I, I I think anybody would find that it's worth it's worth the time and, and a little bit of cash to it to join it.
2: I'm just going to put out there if anybody wants to send me a bottle of Angel's Envy Rye, uh, <laughs> I, you know I won't I won't turn it down. Um, no, that's awesome. Pre- appreciate you, Chris. That's a really cool thing. And I know especially with Matt with with a couple of little girls at home, I don't know if Genevieve's ready for the couch chocolate cereal bars just yet. But uh, you know it's oh, good God. for her to start, start getting her exposed early. Um, you know, yep. get, start getting her priorities in line. So, all right, let's talk, let's talk some more about the Chiefs and, and the second half of the season. So, you know, we did, you and I wrote down some predictions. I'm actually going gonna, to uh, gonna alter mine right now because I feel a little bit differently about it after this Bengals news. Um, how, what is the Chiefs record going to be? How Like over the, not not final record, but over the course of the, the, the second half the of last the
3: season. The last 10 games. Last 10 the games. Last 10 all right, so by the way, I, I want everybody in the chat who's in here, what do you think their record's going to be over the last 10 games? Slap it in there. Let us know. Uh, what do you have? I I did a video for for this channel uh earlier this week where I broke down. I picked every game. I picked the Chiefs to go eight and two. And I actually had them with a loss at, with the Bengals, and I got a, and I'm gonna be very transparent. I actually think if you just went down the line and said head to head, you know, okay, they're playing the Titans, who do you have? They're playing the Jags, who do you have? They pl- I'd pick them to go ten and on. I I really – like, honest to God, I don't think they'll lose another game if you just went head-to-head because I think the Bengals, if there's ever a game, the Chiefs are going to be out for blood. That game's it. Like, that game is going to be how the Bills see the Chiefs after what happened last year. (laughs) That's how the Chiefs see Cincinnati. And I think the difference is the Chiefs are considerably better in Cincinnati, although I do have a lot of respect. I think the Bengals are probably the the biggest threat to both the Chiefs and the Bills in the AFC. I said 8-2 just because I think, look – it's the NFL, right? I mean, you're going to have a game in there. You don't play well. You're banged up. Stuff happens. And then I put a loss against the Bengals because I think that's the hardest game they have left. Um, yeah. I, you know, looking at the schedule at the start of the year, and I can't speak for you, Patrick, curious your thoughts, but like I looked at it and said, man, bang, the Bengals, the Chargers, and the Rams, three games in a row, that's a brutal stretch. Then you looked at it and went, you know, you don't know what Denver's going to be, but that can be really tough, you know, two games with Denver and you get the Week 18 on the road against the Raiders. And, and now you look at that schedule and you're like, man, they got two games against Denver? And, and they get you know, they get the Rams at home? Like, like, you know, yeah. the Chargers who – look, I think it's always – divisional games are always tough unless, unless you're playing Denver, in which case they haven't lost in about eight presidential administrations. But I – the Chargers game just doesn't scare me that much at this point. It really doesn't. Not to say they couldn't lose because Herbert's excellent, but they're just so poorly coached, they're so beat up. But overall, I went eight and two. If you made me pick head to head, I honestly, God would have him at 10 and 0, but I just, I feel like that's, that's just a hard thing to do, man, to just run the table. So I'll go, I'll go eight and two. <clears throat>
2: I think it's a good prediction. I I originally had them at seven and three because of because of that Bengals game. I thought it might be a tough one for them. But now with that news, and I'm I'm looking at the schedule, the rough stretch that they're gonna have is from November twentieth to December eighteenth. They play four road games in five weeks. Right. At Los Angeles and then home against the Rams, then at Cincy, at Denver, at Houston. Correct. They're not gonna lose to Houston. They're probably not going to lose to Denver. Um, but that that stretch of, of of the LA Chargers, LA Rams, who we'll see. They're coming off a bye week. They they need to make some major change. They need to get Matt Stafford going. Sean McVay is a really good coach. I don't think they're going to keep playing like garbage. I just I don't believe it. I think they're too talented, and I think their coach is too good of a coach. So I think that's going to be a tough game. So I could sh- see the Chiefs potentially stumbling somewhere in that, that Chargers, Rams, Bengals, section sure um and but i'm gonna go with you i'm gonna go eight and two but i really only think they're gonna lose as long as they play up to their potential uh i don't i i think they might only lose one game and i think that raiders game it might it it might be a a gimme for the raiders that that she's might be sitting down um
3: that's the thing that's really interesting is that's a game where who who's motivated and who's not (laughs) like Yeah. Are, are the Raiders playing for anything at that point? Yeah. Who knows? Maybe the Raiders are playing for their lives. Like, maybe like – couldn't you see that being that – because, you know, week 18, they don't announce the the schedule beforehand. Like, the, I mean, you know who's playing who, but they don't announce, like, the times. Right. Couldn't you see that being the Sunday night game where the Chiefs are, like, playing for the one seed because they've won, like, nine in a row and, and the okay. Raiders are playing to get in the playoffs? Right. <laughs> I mean, yeah. you know, I mean, it's it's crazy. Like, I, you know, who knows? I. So you you do. You never know with week eighteen because it's just there's so many variables. I will say one thing about those two Denver games. Denver might just lay down like a dog in those games. Denver is so shot emotionally. I I just wonder by the time you get to those games, if Denver's just is like, oh my god, please just end the season. (laughs) I, you know, it sounds like a weird thing to say because the first time they played Denver, I believe, and if somebody's out there and has a schedule right in front of them, I think it's week fourteen. It's the first time they played Denver. Um. Yeah, week 14. That game's on Sunday Night Football in Mile High. And I know this, th- again, this is going to sound really almost homerish and odd, but I, re- I truly believe this. I think it's a disadvantage for Denver that game's at home. Those fans hate them so much right now. <laughs> like, if Kansas City gets any kind of a lead in that game, the fans are just going to turn on them. Right, But that game could get ugly on national.
2: They were leaving the other, the, the other day when they I were won. going to overtime.
3: I mean, and also, couldn't you picture that place being an arrowhead at that point? Yeah. I mean, the fans just selling tickets? Yep. It's not like it's that big of a trip from Kansas City to Denver. Like, you could definitely get there. I just wonder in that game if it's just one of those things where Denver, it's week 14, so they'll have played 12 games at that point. I mean, if, if Denver's 3-9 and nine or 4-8 and eight and they're just hopelessly out of it, and, you know, they've got guys sitting because they're hurt and they don't want to play any, you know, they don't want to play through an injury because they don't want to risk it. I just wonder if that's one of those games where it's like, let's just get through this, take our lumps, and get the hell out of here. And then when they play the Chiefs week 17 at Arrowhead, if that's not anything more than just a ritualistic killing, <laughs>
0: yeah.
3: where they just go in there and just get hammered in that game. I mean, I just think sometimes when you get a team late in the year, especially a veteran team, you know, young guys, it's different. You're trying to prove yourself, it's got a lot, you know. I just wonder with Denver at the end of the season, it's going to be one of those deals where they just lay down and it's like, yeah, we're going to get killed. Let's just get this over with. And yeah. it's two of the easier wins of the year.
2: Yeah, very well could be. I look for, you know, I I do think Chiefs fans should be cautious. You know, the games, the Chiefs are the better team and they should win. They should beat Tennessee at home on Sunday Night Football. They should beat Jacksonville. Sure, But those aren't terrible teams. Those are teams that they've got some players and, you know, Derek Henry and Travis Etienne, and Trevor Lawrence is, is a little bit dangerous and you know you gotta be careful with those teams you can't chiefs can't lose focus or they could have another colts game but i think the second half of this year the thing that i'm most excited about with when it comes to the chiefs is i think if you were going to jump on them you needed to jump on them before this bye week i agree In, integrating all these new wide receivers all these you know, new running back and and Trent McDuffie's injured and now, now Frank Clark's going to miss some time. You know, like they had the Chiefs had to deal with a, a lot of stuff and that they're that you've seen them this year, right? Like that we've talked about like, who are these chiefs? Like they're a little bit, um, you know, they're not consistent, right? It's why I picked against them a couple of times early in the year. Cause I'm like, I don't know which team's going to show up. Right. But the team that shows up, the team that whooped Arizona, the team that, that whooped Tampa Bay, the team that whooped San Francisco. I mean, they've scored 44, 41, 30, 44. And they're still figuring it out. I mean, Mahomes is having statistically, it's a season similar to his 2018 season We I mean, threw a million touchdowns and yeah, 5,000 yards. So I mean, this is this should be scary for folks in the second half because what I what I think is gonna happen, the offense is already good, is I think the defense is going to get a lot better. You're going to get Trent McDuffie back. You're going to get these rookies more and more time. And I think by the end of the year, you could have a really formidable team here. Well,
3: there's no question. Uh, their defense under Spagnuolo always gets better in the second half of the year. Always. Every single year. And there's no reason that that won't be the case with all these rookies. I'll tell you what is the biggest reason for me for optimism for them. And, and this is a nice little segment. We didn't have this on the run they um, Their rookie corners. like Those kids are really good. They're really good. Joshua Williams has been good. And I know he got beat for a couple touchdowns against Buffalo. If you watch him, though. He's played really well. And both those touchdowns, listen, were better throws by Allen than anything else. So it wasn't like he was in a horrible position. It wasn't. Jalen Watson's been excellent. And now you've got McDuffie coming back. You know, you've got all these other guys on the team that can play on defense, you know, whether it's Bolton or Gay or Thornhill or Reed or whoever. Cook, who, by the way, is playing better and better every week. Like they really are getting to where they want to be. And I'll, I'll give you the one game though in the in the second half of the schedule that I I hope the Chiefs are ready for. Because if they're not, I could see it being one of these games where the halftime show is not pleasant. That game against Jacksonville. Because yep. you're coming off Tennessee to me, Tennessee's gotta just wanna to, wanna to cry with the way the schedule shook out because the Chiefs are coming off a of bye. It's at home to at arrowhead and it's a primetime game. Like that is a trifecta of hell for any team playing Kansas City. But then the following week, before they go play the Chargers, they play Jacksonville on a noon kick. That's the kind of game that if you're not awake, you'll yeah. look up and you go, "Man, we got down ten nothing. What the hell?" Like now, now look, they could come out and, and, and overcome that, obviously. But that's the kind of game that you sleepwalk through half of it, you're down by a touchdown at halftime, and now the other team's confident, and they got to fight back. The Chiefs have to stay on their, for for, lack of a better term, like their P's and Q's. They need to be very ready, because while Jacksonville's not a good team, they're not a train wreck anymore. They have some talent, and if the Chiefs go out and they're ill-prepared, they're not paying attention, like that's the kind of game you get got. Yeah.
2: but and don't forget, who's Jacksonville's head coach?
3: Right, a guy who knows him very well on Doug Peterson. Yeah. So, you know, do I think the Chiefs win the game? Yes, I do. I, I think they will win that game. It's hard not to pick them to win that game. They're going to be a double-digit favorite. By the way, the look-ahead line with Tennessee, the Chiefs are favored by 10.5 points. Yeah. Um, but I, I think that's one of those games. The other game I'd give you real quick is Seattle. Seattle is playing – a confident brand of football. Do I think Seattle's a really good team? No. But I think Seattle believes in itself. Geno Smith is giving them confidence. They might be fighting for a playoff spot down the line. Now, the one thing about that is that's later in the year, and the Chiefs typically, like, I don't see the Chiefs sleeping in a game that late in the season. Like, if that game means anything to the Chiefs, I would expect them to win. But those are two games at home. Noon kicks. Noon kicks. You know, especially that Jacksonville game coming off a primetime game, getting ready for a divisional game the following week. You got to stay in the moment. You got to be ready.
2: Yeah. You know, I think a lot of it, it's been a little bit of a weird year in the NFL this season. And I think that a lot of these teams, there's a lot of mediocre football teams. Oh. A lot of just like, yeah, just so, like not bad, just mediocre. And when I look at like, you know, the Giants, like they're trading away Tony when, when they've got the record they have, it's because they stink. Like they know they're not really good. Um, you know what they remind me of? The Giants, a few of these teams, the Seahawks. They remind me of the 2010 Chiefs. Remember, like they Tony Moiaki yeah, and Decker the
3: and
2: they, they they won the AFC West. They weren't really good. They were they just they had an easy schedule. They they played relatively mistake free football, and they had one really good player, right? Like one really good player in Jamal Charles that help them just kind of in a pretty good defense, some, some good players on defense. That's what I think a lot of these teams are. They're the 2010 chiefs, you know, the jets, the, uh, the giants, they're, they're not really good. And, uh, as the season goes on or once the playoffs hit, I think you're going to see some bloodletting to be honest with you. Some of these teams that make it in, are going to run into a Buffalo. And, you know, can you imagine what, what the, what the Buffalo bills are going to do to the jets?
3: Uh, it would not be pretty, I I think it's, I think it's a safe assumption, by the way, a lot of people have been talking about Mahomes. Um, and and actually for first, let me, let me stay on on point here. So I agree with you in the sense that some of these teams look, they're not going to get in the playoffs Mm -hmm. and do a whole bunch. Right. I I agree with that. Um, I don't know that I think, I feel like the giants traded Tony because I just don't think he's part of their plans going forward. Um, and I also think, though, you're right. Like, they they understand it's still part of a process, and they need to still get more picks to get better. And, you know, look, they might use those picks to package a, a couple of picks and move up and get a quarterback, right? I mean, every little bit of ammunition counts, especially if you're the Giants, all of a sudden, no longer going to be drafting all that high. Yeah. So that matters. Um, I also – I just wanted to respond to Cole, who said just did the math, and, and Mahomes is on pace for 5,243 yards. So I just went back and did real quick uh, napkin math here. So – Mahomes, in his his second year, his first year as a starter, when he won the MVP, he threw for 5,097 yards, and he threw for exactly 50 touchdowns. Through seven games that year, Mahomes threw 22 touchdowns. So he's a little bit ahead of his current pace. Uh, Right now, he has 20. He threw for 2,223 yards that year, and this year he's at 2,159. So he's pretty damn close, despite playing three top five defenses. Now he's going to play a whole bunch of defenses that are not top five defenses. And, of course, now you have the extra game so you can add on to his stats. This is not obviously something where, you know, we're we're just talking about this for fun. But if you had to bet, do you think he throws for 5,000 yards this year and do you think he hits 50 touchdown passes?
2: I don't think he'll hit 50 touchdown passes. It's just so hard to do. I mean, he's on a great pace and and all that. Uh, I would think he could throw for 5,000 yards, but I think he'll end up in the 40s, 45, 46 touchdowns.
3: I'm with you. I'm with you. I think he will hit 5,000 yards. I will say this, though. (laughs) Just knowing him and knowing them, if they go that last game of the year in Vegas and he's got like 45 touchdown passes, they... (laughs) <laughs> yeah, they they will do everything imaginable to get him to 50. Like, I, like let's even say that game is a is a blow. Let's say it's Chiefs for whatever reason. They're pulling away, they're killing them. They'll put Henny in and they'll get down to the goal line and just bring
2: Mahomes in. <laughs> <Put> Mahomes in. <laughs> they will. Yeah. Like,
3: it's kind of like last week with Kelsey. They tried to get him 100 yards and they were just like throwing shovel passes at him because they wanted mm. to hit 100 yards. If they have an opportunity that last week of the year, I, here's what I would say. I do not think he's going to get to 50. I'm with you. But if he's at 45 or more going into that Raiders game and they're going to play the starters, I would I would bet that he would hit 50 because they will do everything and he will do everything to get to 50. Yep. Um, so... I'm with you. I got 5,000 yards as well, but I think he's probably like around 45 touchdowns, something like that. Seems seems reasonable.
2: What's what's the record? Is it Manning's record? Is it 52?
3: 56. Oh, 56. God,
2: God. Yeah, it's just insane. <laughs> yeah, it's nuts. Um, before we go, I got to tell you something. So you know how – like I've done this. I did it in the playoffs last year, and I did it again this year. You know, when the Chiefs played Buffalo, I, I crossed out my name on Twitter. And, and, and you know – because Allen, evil name, and I, you know, I changed it to Mahomes. I discovered something this week that I didn't know that horrified me. Do you know what Josh Allen's middle name is? Is it Patrick? It's Patrick. That's hilarious. The man's name is Josh Patrick Allen. I don't know what to do with myself, because wow. on one hand, we have Patrick Mahomes, but on the other hand, my entire name now is the Bills quarterback.
3: Well, it makes you feel any better. My, my middle name is Ryan, and so I was just benched by the Colts.
2: Oh, that's bad news for right. uh, for oh god what's his name Sam Ellinger oh, Ellinger yeah
3: I was put on the bench by by the Colts for Sam Ellinger so yeah, yeah. that's right you know I interviewed Matt Ryan last year I, I I totally missed the opportunity to tell him and by the way uh, mighty you're right uh, my mistake it's, it's fifty five touchdown passes not fifty six so good good call by you uh, that is yeah that's that's quite a conundrum for you it's on right. the on the uh, the basis of middle names do you know what Mac Jones's middle name is no. McCorkle McCorkle I was blown away by this yes What? yes and that also is... so hold on so here I, I I forget how in God's name I stumbled on this but pro football reference is an amazing website and so I use it all the time for you know research and whatnot yes his real name is Michael McCorkle Jones which by the way I'm campaigning for him just go to go to McCorkle yeah I'm, I'm way more involved at, at, at McCorkle but however Um, I think I was writing. So I must have been writing something on the Patriots. So then I went to Drew Bledsoe. Drew Bledsoe's middle name, McQueen. McQueen. What the hell is happening up there? Drew
2: McQueen Bledsoe.
3: Yes. And I tweeted it out and somebody responded to it, who was like either a member of his family or was a friend of his family. And they're like, well, that's because it's a family name and it's been passed down from generation to generation. Like, I guess everybody in the Bloodso family, like their middle name is McQueen. So you went from Drew McQueen Bloodso to Brady, who actually, you know, as much as we love to have a, a good laugh at Brady's expense,
0: yeah,
3: uh, normal, normal name, uh, Thomas. Although also two middle names: Thomas Edward Patrick Brady, and and th- and then we rolled from that into McCorkle. So. That's the life that's being lived up in Foxborough. Right. <laughs>
2: now. Well, strangely enough, you know, in regards to my conundrum, so the people that have listened to this podcast for a while might know my first name is Robert. That's right. Patrick is my middle name. So Josh Allen and I share a last name and a middle name, which makes it even worse. Um, so maybe I'll have to start going by Robert again.
3: You, you need to you need to grow
2: like a like an '80s mustache and go by Bob. Oh yeah, it's yeah. Bob Allen. People called me Bob when I was when I was growing up when this, I was a kid before I started going by by Patrick. Be very authoritative. Just you know, the last out. time the last time I had my my full beard and everything when I shaved yeah. it I left the mustache on just to freak out my wife and boy did I. It's not <laughs> good. There's a picture of it. You know, we'll do some kind of we'll do some kind of thing if we get to like I don't know, we'll do some sort of drive or you know, uh donation to the podcast something like that. Let me th- let me think about it. And if we get to a certain goal, I'll release the photo of me with no shirt on. Cause I was, yeah. I was shaving, shaving the spirit off and, oh, and with the mustache, um, which will forever be used against me on the internet. Um, last, <laughs> uh, last thing. I just, I have a, a little segment at the end here. I want to say, uh, to it's called the do better segment. And yeah. this is my do better segment for, for the people who follow me on Twitter, because I tweeted this out yesterday. Um, you know, Bleacher Report tweeted out that that Cream hunts on the trade block, um, and you know, I I, I tweeted out a, a little a little joke about that, right? I said uh, I said I can't wait, you know, for the Chiefs to make this trade. Hunt would immediately be the Chiefs starter and number one back. Uh, per game running back touches would shake out like this: Ceh seven, McKinnon five, Burton three, Nick Allegretti two, Larry Johnson two, Mike Cloud two. Hunt won. Pacheco inactive. Funny little tweet, you know. Get a found a way to get a Mike Cloud reference in there. Beautiful. You would not believe the number of people who responded to that tweet like it was serious. Like they were like, "We're not going to trade for Kareem Hunt." And I'm like, "Bro," in the tweet, I'm saying that we should give carries to Mike Cloud. Like they just don't read it. They just saw they saw the retweet of the I, so so I, I I my my I'm pleading to you, pleading to you, do better. Read the tweets. I spent a lot of time coming up with these jokes, you know.
3: I, I sympathize with you because you will probably remember this. There are two articles that I've written a fan sided that have been completely tongue in cheek over the seven years that I've owned the company. Okay, <laughs> both of which drew fury from people, and this was way before I had a following on Twitter of any note. Like yeah. I maybe had like a thousand people following me. I, I can't even imagine now what this would bring. So I am, as everyone knows, I'm sure who listens to this podcast. I am a long suffering, in deep pain Knicks fan. Okay, and so the Knicks were at the height of their of their bullshit at the time, and we were sitting in the office. We we're just talking about different things, you know. And, and somehow it came to be. I, I don't know if I said it or somebody else said it in the office. It was like, could could the Liberty, the New York Liberty in the WNBA, could they beat the Knicks? And of course, like, look, I mean, there's there's obvious physical advantages the Knicks would have. They're taller, they're, they're heavier, all this stuff. being facetious. So then it was either you or, or another coworker at the time was like, well, let's write it. Like, could the Knicks beat the Liberty? Right. And it was me. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So, so I wrote it straight. Like I wrote it like dead serious and I broke down like, well, the, the Liberty would have the rebounding advantage cause they're, they're more talented in the front corner, all this stuff right now. Look, I, I think the WNBA is fantastic. I watch it more now. I, at the time, I didn't really watch much of the NBA. I was sitting there just basically Googling players. Well, long story short, I write this piece. And it's completely tongue like Anyone who read this was a modicum of a sense of humor would have realized immediately, like, it's a joke, right? No. Publish it. You should have seen the comments in this. What are you, an idiot? They have, like, six inches of a height advantage in every position. I mean, and like, you had guys – like the absolute mansplainers of the world breaking this down position <laughs> by position, like there's right. no way that so-and-so could have boxed out Amari Stoudemire. You're know, like, no kidding. You, you think like, <laughs> and so I wrote that and that got killed. But my, but my favorite one, my favorite one that I ever wrote Tim Tebow, I believe it was his first minor league at bat for the Mets hit a home run. Certainly in the first game, I think it was the first at bat. So I wrote after that at back, because he was hitting a 1,000 with one homer, one RBI, I wrote that it, it was proof that he was a better athlete than Michael Jordan <laughs> because both had played two sports <laughs> and that he was a much better baseball player than that joke from Chicago. Right? And like, again, the most tongue-in-cheek thing in the world, and I, I will say I remember because I got one comment that always stuck to me because it still makes me laugh. Some guy was like, I know this is clickbait, you son of a bitch, but I'm gonna read it anyway. <laughs> like, great. I should I should have just put that in my in my you know byline. But I I just remember being like, how does anyone think this is serious? Like how right. does one human being in the world with a functioning brain think these are actually serious posts? Like if the Knicks played the Liberty in a game, what would the line be at Vegas? The Knicks by 40? I mean well,
2: it would be more than
3: that. The guards on the team are six, seven. Like right. I mean, you know, it's and you know, people and then you get the other people who are like, Oh, you're saying that you know a female sport can't compete. Like, no, that's it, it's are two different sports, like it's right. two different things, like, relax, calm down. Yeah.
2: I pulled up the article, oh. your last line of the article is from, from July of twenty fifteen. Fisher does not have enough talent to put up against the Liberty who would be able to wear his group down with a th- athleticism, power, two things Fisher's group knows nothing of. Final score, Liberty 92, Knicks 79. <laughs> Luckily, the comments have ended. So, the, unfortunately, oh, yeah. we don't have the – the the. Uh, I remember that guy, Ralph Medicus, and your, your thing about Buffalo told you to, to get sized out for a polo at Wendy's. Yes. Yes. Um, yeah. Oh, those are some, those are some good times. I dropped a time. link in the YouTube for anybody who wants to see it. In the it's chat. all right
3: in there. I, that, uh, is, that was July, 2015.
2: Yeah. Seven years ago. I was ago.
3: The company for two years or two months at that point. Yeah.
2: And so, I, yeah, mean, I I, I'm I'm just waiting for for our our colleague Josh Hill, who's over works over at Fanside.com right now, is all of a sudden going to be looking at his real time analytics yeah. and he's going to see this article suddenly pop back up in the real time.
3: <laughs> he's going to have fear in his heart. no, right. well, what do we say? Right. Yeah, you know, but that was a time when I wrote about all sports for us and 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 was all over the map. I mean, that was before my reporting days. But that was that was also a time that, in a lot of ways, like I don't want to say it was more fun because I love what I do now, but it was it was a different kind of fun. Because you could just you could do anything essentially that you know wasn't like horrific, and it was seen as like it was funny and like people knew you were kidding and like now like I could never write that now because people would just freak out and be like, what are you saying? What are you? Are you, are you trashing the WNBA? I'm like no, it's I'm a the of the Knicks. You know, like, I'm like <laughs> right. you know, oh, yeah. it was it was funny. We had a good time with it. We had it a good time. Fun. That was uh, that and the Jordan piece. I remember. I just remember people just like ninety nine percent of people, of course, got it, and then you get these one percent of people who just like a part of their brain doesn't work and they can't tell a joke from, and they're just furious. And yeah. it's uh, it's like people who get mad at stand up routines. And I'm not talking about like when somebody says something really offensive in a stand up routine, like that's yeah. different. I mean, like when somebody's making an obvious joke about something that's like a current event in the news, and people just become enraged over it. You know, like, right. you went to a comedy show.
2: Right. Yeah. What
3: did you think was going to happen? Yeah, like, I, yeah. It just blows my mind.
2: They just, they expected to see some guy come out, slip on a banana peel and say, thank <laughs> you. You know, all right, everybody, we got to get out of here. So listen, um, unfortunately there's no chiefs game this weekend. So you can sit back, you can enjoy the football. You don't have to worry. And uh, you don't have to look at our ugly mugs. Um, Cause there'll be no weekend show this week, but that's okay. We'll be back next week. If, again, if you're interested in becoming a member of the Aero attic podcast, check out the link in the description. Uh, there's a film Friday, I think probably out already for for uh, members and it's Thursday, but that'll come out um, tomorrow. with are breaking some stuff down. So make sure you check that out. And then we'll be back next week with the, uh, with the Monday mailbag, the Tuesday show, the Wednesday show. And of course, Bergam and I will be back on Thursday to preview that big Sunday night football game against the Tennessee Titans. Um, so we're going to get out of here. You guys have a great weekend, have a great and safe Halloween. Send us uh, some pictures of your costumes on Twitter uh, and uh, we'll see you guys next week. So, for Matt Verderam, for our producer, Richard Durante, my name is Patrick Allen. We'll see you guys next week. But until then, go Chiefs.